to revisit uh, that again tonight, and in particular, the second verse of Proverbs. Proverbs 11, verse 2, When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. Oh, as I said at the beginning, we're taking a thematic uh, approach to Proverbs. We're certainly not going to be going through it verse by verse, but we're looking at certain themes in Proverbs. And uh, Proverbs 11 contains two of the great themes uh, that we were looking at over the last couple of weeks. Yes, last week we were looking at the, the, the sin of gossip. And the week before that, we were looking at how we speak, how we use our mouths, how we talk to one another, and so on. And uh, uh, the idea of gossip uh, finds its origin in what we are looking at tonight, as does uh, all sin, uh, finds its origin in pride. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. The uh, idea of pride is uh, systemic. It's everywhere in our culture. This time of year, uh, a lot of uh, young people are graduating from uh, high school or university and countless uh, valedictorian speeches encourage young people to follow their heart, to follow their heart. And uh, as I mentioned one time before, I remember speaking at the Morell graduation to the Morell graduating class, and uh, I told them not to follow their heart. <laughs> uh, kind of went against the grain and got some very strange looks because that is uh, that that is a, um, a graduation 101 speech uh, to follow your heart. But the Bible tells us that that the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, and that uh, pride lies in the heart of man. And, and it is, according to the Word of God, the oldest recorded sin. It is because of pride that the devil fell from heaven itself. And he's been using that, that sin, he's been using that tool as a means of leverage for other sins that men would commit. But pride is really where it starts. Um, Proverbs, as one person has said, reveals wisdom and foolishness. Um, and it, these two ideas, wisdom and foolishness, uh, boil down to these two issues. Humility and pride. Uh, where humility and pride are, there will be uh, wisdom or foolishness. Derek Kidner, who wrote a commentary on Proverbs, he said that the evil of pride is that it opposes the first principles of wisdom, and that is the fear of the Lord. It looks to the self rather than the Lord. And so pride opposes the first principles, right out of the gate, of wisdom. I think that is a very... What? Kidner's uh, commentary on, on Proverbs is about that big. And there are other commentaries that are really thick. I have really thick commentaries. And then you get double volume commentaries, which are really uh, massive. 
Huebner's commentary is about that size, but yet every word in his commentaries are like gold. And he, every, every word is weighted, and they're well worth uh, uh, the price, and they, they can be had very easily. But it, it is because of these kinds of wise statements that he's indispensable. So he says, the evil of pride is that which opposes the first principle of wisdom and the two great commandments. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. And so it opposes the first principle of fear of the Lord and the two great commandments which our Lord Jesus outlines. Kidner goes on to say that the proud man is at odds with himself, his neighbor, and the Lord. So, I think it's very right for us then to explore tonight what Proverbs says about this sin of pride. Pride is attributing to ourselves uh, uh, what comes only by the uh, mercy and the will of God. And that's where Paul says, what do you have that you did not receive? Pride is saying, look at what I did. Look at what I gained for myself. And we just read that chapter in uh, Daniel 4, where even after Daniel gives that interpretation of Nebuchadnezzar's dream, the, the dream that troubled Nebuchadnezzar, even after he gave the interpretation and, and pleaded with uh, Nebuchadnezzar to turn, Nebuchadnezzar still attributed all that he had to his own uh, abilities, to his own glory. Look at what I have done. And, and that is certainly true. Lewis Smead, another writer, he says that pride in the religious sense is a refusal to let God be God. Isn't that true right from the very beginning of uh, uh, the history of the world? Where the devil comes after he fell from uh, where he was by pride. Now he appeals to Adam and Eve. You shall be like God, knowing good and evil. And so he says, pride in the religious sense is a refusal to let God be God. It's to grab God's status for oneself. Pride is turning down God's invitation to be a creature in His garden and wishing instead to be the Creator. Independent, reliant on your own resources. Do we not see that today? Do we not see man trying to be the master of his own domain? Overturn the very principles of creation and the, the, the reason why we're here. It's to grab God's status for oneself. Turning down God's invitation to be a creature. Pride is, as Mead says, the grand delusion. The fantasy of all fantasies. The cosmic put on, he says. And, if, and, and, and the Word of God then warns not only unbelievers, but also believers about the dangers of pride. And it's included here because it's written to a covenant people. It's written to God's people. It's a man speaking to a son about uh, the dangers of pride and where pride can lead. And so, it's not something that is outside the covenant community. It's very much at play within the covenant community. 
So Smeed is very right there. It's grasping at what belongs to God. How different then is our Lord Jesus, who, as Paul says in Philippians 2, though He was in the very form of God, He did not think it robbery to be equal with God, but made Himself of no reputation. He did not grasp at His divine prerogatives, but He made Himself a servant. He emptied Himself. He became a servant unto death, even the death of the cross. It's astounding, friends. Who could write such a thing? Who could make up such a, 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 a story as this and create such a, a, a picture that's drawn out over thousands of years and yet there is this amazing glory that it attributes to God. God's love and God's grace. And in Jesus we find the, uh, the antidote to what uh, the devil presented before our first parents in the Garden of Eden. So, we, we want to just get a sense of what some have said about the definition of pride. And we see, secondly, where pride leads. Again, he says, when pride comes, then comes uh, disgrace. Pride brings disgrace. Pride brings shame. Another has said that the man who has formed such a false and grand estimate of self must be disappointed one day, and it will fill him with shame. That's the ultimate end, in other words, of shame. Of pride, rather. It leads to shame because he, he doesn't see what he truly is. He's blinded by his pride. And that will ultimately lead to shame of face. This person goes on. He says, the pride of Herod reduced him to the worms. Jesus said, when you are asked to go to a, a feast, go and sit at the lowest seat. In other words, take the humble position rather than the proud position of forcing your way into the head of the table, lest you be asked to go to the end of the table and you are shamed. And so, he says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. Pride makes us unteachable, the Bible says. In Proverbs 1, it says, the fools, fools despise wisdom and instruction. That's, a very, that's very simply put, isn't it? Fools despise wisdom. They can't be taught. They can't be told but they assume that they are immediately in the right. Proverbs 1.30 They would have none of my counsel and despise my every rebuke. In other words, it makes, us, it makes it difficult for us to receive any kind of advice or criticism. You can't learn from your mistakes because you realize that you haven't made any mistakes. And what you do is then project onto others. That it's not you that's really at fault. If you didn't have to live with these people or work with these people or deal with these people, this wouldn't have happened. And so it's an immediate projection on others. And so it makes the person completely unteachable. And again, with that comes shame. It divides people. We can think of 
the tax collector and the Pharisee who went up to the temple to pray. And there was a, this division between them. I thank you, O God, that I am not like other men. I am not like this man. The, the, the pride of that person separates them from others. Causes us to think better of ourselves than we really are. Pride deceives us. We can only think, we don't have to think any farther than Peter, the uh, uh, apostle, on the, uh, as, as, even as he himself is warned by Jesus. You see, it, it comes to the, to the wicked and to the believers, doesn't it? There we find Daniel warning Nebuchadnezzar, look, learn the lesson now, listen to my voice. May this dream, may this prophecy be of your enemies. But turn and repent and do good, do righteous, do righteousness before God and so on. And now Jesus is turning to Peter and saying, before this night is over, before the cock crows, you will have denied me three times. And even though he hears it coming from the mouth of his own Lord, he is so blinded by his own pride and self-sufficiency, he, he rushes forward. He rushes in where angels themselves fear to tread. And we find those faithful words from the mouth of, uh, uh, of Peter. I swear I do not know who he is. And so it deceives us. It divides us from one another. It makes us unteachable. It separates us from God Himself. Psalm 10, verse 4, In the pride of His face, the wicked does not seek Him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. It separates us from God. That's why God says that the proud He knows from afar. Not only does pride, pride keep some people from God, it keeps some of us from sharing God with others. Sharing the good news of the Gospel with others. Pride a fear of failure, fear of looking bad, keeps us from sharing the good news with the people around us. And so we keep the very words of life that God has commanded us to go and speak and to share with people. It keeps that from them. And so, the, the, uh, uh, he, as he says here, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. In chapter uh, 16, at verse 18 is probably one of the, the most famous uh, verses on pride where he says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. That the other effects of, uh, of pride is not that it simply brings disgrace does not simply make one unteachable or divides us from people and from God, but it brings ultimate destruction, as it does with Nebuchadnezzar. We see there in chapter uh, 4, in which we read, the king answered and said, Is this not great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? While the words were still on the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, you shall be driven from among men. And so we find the, the, the great humbling of Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, by God's grace, it was only lasted for a time. 
and he was restored to his former glory and he acknowledged the Lord Most High. Did Nebuchadnezzar become a bona fide believing person? Uh, It's difficult to judge. Did he simply recognize that God was one of the, the highest of all the gods? Or was there a real genuine change of heart in Nebuchadnezzar? We don't know. But the fact was that there was, because of his pride, he was brought low. And it's a picture. It's a picture of what pride does to people. It makes them less than human. It robs us of our humanity. It robs us of what God intended for us. You can see that in uh, uh, Psalm 73, where the, uh, uh, the, the man of God he says, truly God is good to Israel, but my feet had almost slipped. He, was, he, he, he looked at those who were proud. Their pride, therefore pride is their necklace. Violence covers their, them as a garment. And he became envious of them. He says, in verse 22, when my soul was embittered, I was pricked in heart. I was brutish. And ignorant, I was like a beast toward you. And what we see in the, in the life of Nebuchadnezzar is what we become. That, that's the that's this deceitfulness of sin, isn't it? We think through pride in ourselves or in our accomplishments, we're rising above the rest. We are more than those around us. And we will not defile ourselves by doing those things that will rob us of it. And we think we are rising above. But like Nebuchadnezzar, we are being reduced to something of more of an animal. We are acting solely on instincts and not according to our higher nature. And, that, and as, as we see Nebuchadnezzar reduced to nothingness, that's truly what pride does. And so when we, when we are tempted to separate ourselves from others by not speaking, not taking a humble position, not serving, not doing what we need to do for the kingdom of God because of pride, we're not really putting ourselves up. We are making ourselves less than. And we can't let the devil have his way with us in that way. And it's a constant battle. It's a constant battle to keep that before us. To allow God's Spirit to take off the blinders and to help us to see what it really is. And the Bible says, you're becoming like the psalmist in Psalm 70. You're becoming like a brute beast. You're becoming like, uh, 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 you're becoming like uh, Nebuchadnezzar. You're being reduced You're not being the human that God would have you to be. This is what pride does. Pride brings disgrace. Pride brings separation. Pride deceives. Pride robs us of everything that we are as human beings. And before, uh, 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 with pride comes destruction. We, there are many examples. I have several examples down here that we could look at, but uh, we could think of, uh, we could think of uh, uh, 
Haman, for example, in the book of Esther. We could think of uh, Naaman the Syrian, who was nigh off, walking away, when Elisha the prophet told him to go and dip yourself seven times in the in the Jordan. And out of pride, Naaman almost forfeit complete healing because he, in his pride, figured, well, we've got better uh, rivers back home. I could have gone and done that there. Surely this prophet will come out to meet me. Surely this prophet will meet me on terms better than what he's doing. Go and wash. How many people are destroying themselves because of pride? How many people sit in church week after week hearing the Gospel and yet because they've determined that salvation must come in a certain package, they will not believe the Word of God. Go and wash in the Jordan seven times and you will be clean, Elisha says to Naaman. And he becomes enraged. And his servant takes him aside. Look, if he asked you to do something great, would you have done it? Why not do something so simple? Just go and do it. We've come all this way. Just listen. And he goes and he does it. He humbles himself. By God's grace, he is made clean. But oh, there's so many. There's so many that come to church and hear the Gospel. Just like Daniel pleading with Nebuchadnezzar or Jesus speaking with Peter and saying, look, this is the way it is. No, they refuse. I hope you're not of that nature tonight. As you hear the Gospel, not only this evening, but week after week, year after year, decade after decade in some cases. Say, look, unless it comes to me in this way, I will not believe. And yet the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. God doesn't promise that the ground will move from out, out from under us. He doesn't a promise of voice from heaven or uh, 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 signs and wonders that accompany uh, uh, His Word. He says, believe the Word. And what do we do? We are to take the humble position. But pride says, no, I have in my own mind how salvation ought to come. It has to come with some sign, some wonder, some voice. The ground must move. A shiver up the spine. For some people, it does. But it does not make it normative for all. I love what Paul says of Timothy. From a, from a child, you knew the Scriptures which were able to make you wise unto salvation. Isn't that beautiful? Did he say of Timothy, Timothy, do you remember that day when, when you saw that bolt of lightning come from the blue? Or... You had a shiver or a voice came to you. and No, he said, from the, from the time you were a child, under the direction of your mother and your grandmother, you knew the Scriptures which were able to make you wise and you submitted your heart to it. Because all Scripture is breathed out by God. This is the miracle. This is the sign. The Word of God. And the message that it makes known to us. You see, pride is not just in those extraordinary people like Nebuchadnezzar or Naaman or 
Haman or any of these people or Pharaoh and people like that, but it's in millions of churchgoers. But I pray that it's not in any of us here this evening that we would not come demanding our own terms of salvation, but that we would humbly submit ourselves to the voice of God. Friends, this is the voice of God. You want to hear a voice? This is the Word of God. And it's there we must uh, uh, humble ourselves and say, Lord, how is it that all this time, all these years, I've been demanding from You more than Your perfect Word? How could I do something so awful? That is the norm. Believe. Hear and believe. And you will be saved. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. That's what the Bible says. What's its alternative? It says here, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. Humble, humility, is a saving grace. Again, when those the, the tax collector and the, the uh, uh, Pharisee went up to pray, tax collector had nothing but a broken heart. A sense of his own need. You have a sense of your own need tonight? In God's sight, that is a precious thing. Jesus pronounces a benediction over it. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. You are right now blessed if you are poor in spirit, broken hearted. Because now you're ready to receive the grace of God. You're ready to uh, be open to His salvation. And that's the way it was with the, 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 the tax collector. He could not even lift up his head, but beat on his breast. And said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus says, that man went home right with God. Was there a bolt from the blue? Does it tell us that the walls of the synagogue shook? Does it tell us that he had a shiver up his spine? No. Simply met his need as, artic- as, as, as brought out by the, the law of God, the Word of God. And out of a broken heart, he, in humility, he called upon God. But with wisdom, with, with the humble, is wisdom. With the, hu- with, the, with the humble is the fear of the Lord. You remember what we said about the fear of the Lord at the beginning of our study many months back? It's that. It's taking God for who He is and what He has said about Himself. And it's responding to God as He is. And that's how the writer of Proverbs defines uh, uh, wisdom itself. It's walking in the fear of the Lord. With the humble. With the humble there is wisdom. Jonathan Edwards said, nothing puts us out of the devil's reach more than humility. James, again, the uh, New Testament uh, writer of Proverbs, as it were, who James who contains a lot of proverbial wisdom, he puts it this way, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and He will exalt you. 
And so uh, he, he is saying the same thing here as the writer of Proverbs. With the humble, there is wisdom. The psalmist says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He shall bring it to pass. In Psalm 34, he says, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and His eyes are open to their cry. His ears, rather, are open to their cry. And so, as the people of God, we are to cultivate a heart of wisdom. We are to heart, heart of humility. We are to see pride for what it really is. And we are only taking a short snapshot in some of these uh, uh, stories here tonight of different people like Nebuchadnezzar or Peter or Nahum and the Syrian or many other people. The Bible is full of examples like that. We can think of King David at times. Uh, we can think of others who, uh, out of the pride of their heart, were destroyed or came very close to it. We begin to see then the dangers of pride. Where it can lead even the people of God. We must then cultivate an idea of how, what God thinks of it and how God hates it. In Proverbs 6, it says, There are six things that the Lord hates. Seven that are abomination to Him. And one is haughty eyes. Those who are filled with pride. Listen to those words. It's an abomination to God. Tim Keller he goes so far as to say that pride goes against the very heart of who God is Himself and God's eternal plan. Listen to what Keller says. He says, so if you are scrambling for glory and recognition for yourself rather than giving it and serving others, you're going against the grain of the universe. The servant life of Jesus is a revelation of the nature of God. The very heart of things. You are also on a collision course with God's future because the Bible says that God is going to lift up the humble and put down the proud. That gives us a, a, a wonderful sense of it. We're going at, against the very grain of the universe. The, uh, we're going against who God Himself is. And we're on a collision course, as Keller says, with the future because God says He will lift up the humble. He will lift up the poor and put, pull the proud down. Do we want to then associate with those, take our place with those, and take our part with those who would do such things and be found in such company? No, we must then go to God and say, Lord, help me to be alive to the dangers of sin in my own heart. Help me to recognize where pride is taking root. Help me to analyze my life. To see where I, I have been in the habit of separating myself from people. Again, like Peter, he fell into that, didn't he? In the book, in, in the epistle to uh, the Galatians, Paul recounts how uh, Peter would eat with the Gentiles. And then some of the Jews came from Jerusalem and Peter was ashamed of them, so he sat at another table. He distanced himself from them because he, he wanted to appear better than the Gentiles in Jewish company. We can do the same. When we are told to speak, when we are told to share, when we are told to, to yield, and we hold on, we keep quiet, 
We seek to protect ourselves out of pride. And what ends up happening is we become less and less human. While the devil is whispering in our ear, rise up, protect, defend, build that wall. You are better than that. You are better than them. Look at, look at the life that you have built for yourself. Be quiet. Do not yield. Do not humble yourself. And it is in these ways in which the devil, who is more subtle than any beast of the field, as Genesis characterizes him, comes to the man and the woman, whispering in their ear, you shall be like God. It's right there. It's within your grasp. And they made themselves less than human. And Jesus comes and He shows us this is what it is to be human. He restores for us the image of God right before our eyes as we look at Him. As we see Him humbly submitting to the will of God. As He thinks of others more than Himself. As He Himself clings unto the Word of God when there is nothing what a, what a pioneer for faith for us here tonight if we are not believing. What did Jesus have on the cross? He did not have the comfortable presence of His Father. He had the Word of God. And He cried that Word from the cross. And He meditated on that Word. And He clung to that Word. The fear of the Lord was in Him. He trusted in the plain Word of God. Do you... Do you hold to the plain Word of God tonight? Do you trust in the, the, the words that God has laid out before you? Are, you? are you saying, look, I'm special. Those other people believe, but I'm special. I need something more than simply the Bible. I need that bolt from the blue. I need that shiver up the spine. Whatever it may be. Friends, no. If our Lord Jesus clung to nothing but the Word of God on the cross... And He shaped His life by the Word of God. He preached the Word of God. Then we, tonight, must say, according to Your Word, let it be unto Me. And so, this is what we do. This is how we uh, seek out and destroy that pride. The Word of God is so wonderful in that regard. It gives us these people as examples to us. It shows us how... how, uh, powerfully subtle the devil can be in trying to convince us look humanity the true being a true human and true freedom and true prosperity means to separate it means to rise above others it means to claim for yourself prerogatives even from god that he does not give to anyone else but you may claim yourself to be special and needing something above and beyond no believe the word of god Believe the Gospel. Believe what God says. And so we, we seek and destroy as we look at the Word, as we think about how God views pride, as He, thinks it, as he views it as an abomination. But we also do it by keeping the, the glory of God before us. How wonderful the Word of God is for that. The book of Psalms that we sing each and every uh, Lord's Day. 
when I consider the heavens, the moon and the stars which your fingers have framed, then I say, what is man that you are so mindful of him? Or the son of man that you should visit him? What is man? Right? It just drives a stake into the heart of human pride. Or again, Isaiah is told by God to cry out. Right? He's there in chapter 40 of Isaiah, Comfort ye, comfort my people, says the Lord. How will I comfort them? Tell them that all flesh is grass and that it's beauty like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of the Lord endures forever. That's God loving us. By humbling us and saying, you're like grass. You're like the flower of the field. You're no more than that. You're like a, the, the plants that come up one day and then are gone the next. Or as we'll see in a, in a couple of weeks, the lupins shooting up all over the island. We wish they would stay longer. But they're gone within a few weeks. That's your life. That's my life. That's the glory of, of man. But we claim it for ourselves. All these accomplishments, the lupins, how, how ridiculous would it be for the lupins to boast in their uh, uh, beauty if they could? He would say, no, that, that, that's, that's designed by God, given by God. The, the lupins can't claim anything for themselves. And yet mankind seeks to do it all the time. Seeks to exert that pride. And with it comes shame. With it comes division. With it comes ignorance. With it comes destruction. The Word of God helps us to focus on what God truly says. All nations before Him are as nothing. They are, they are counted in the balance. They are less than nothing, says the Lord. These are ways in which we cultivate a spirit of humility while driving a stake into the heart of pride. But especially, and most importantly, we do it by gazing upon the Lord Jesus Christ as we alluded to earlier in that beautiful passage in, in Philippians where two women in the church, Euodia and Syntyche, were divided. They weren't talking. They weren't getting along. And Paul says, let's consider the Lord Jesus Christ. He was God Himself. He is God. And He took upon Himself a servant form. Rather than exercising pride, He exercised humility. And through that death, through that shame, He brought healing. He brought people together. He brought salvation. And now that is the legacy of God's people. You and I, as we crucify pride, and as we humble ourselves before God, as we walk in the fear of the Lord, we are able now through His grace to bring those things to our own believing community. Let's pray. Lord, our God, we pray that You would help us this evening. Help us, Lord, for we too can fall prey to the subtleties of the evil one as he whispers in our ear of where true prosperity lies, in exerting our own privileges and our own rights, in boasting in ourselves when we should boast in Your grace, in Your love, in Your power. Oh, Father, help us to rid ourselves of the the, uh, the disgusting disease of pride in our hearts and lives. Lord, help us to be students of the Word 
as we prayerfully and thoughtfully consider where pride has led even some of the greatest saints of the Word of God. And Lord, may it be a warning to us as we interact with one another. Help us not to seek to justify ourselves, but to humble ourselves and to yield ourselves to Your Word and to Your truth. Father, help us. We need Your Holy Spirit. We cannot seek out and destroy pride on our own. For Lord, it's our natural way. It's our natural inclination. It's our place of safety. It's our place of security. But Lord, it is not the place of prosperity. It is the place of shame and dishonor. Help us, O God, that our eyes may be fixed upon the Lord Jesus Christ and His ultimate work on our behalf on the cross that we might follow in like manner. We pray, O God, that You would continue with us in the rest of this night. In Jesus' name, Amen.